glad to see everyone here this evening and grateful for your presence in light of the weather situation. I think I said Sunday morning, we may not be asked to build an ark like Noah, but I want to back off of that statement. <laughs> I'm beginning to wonder on the way here. It's great to be here. Uh, you know, I'd rather preach about 30 minutes after a thunderstorm than one time Ryan and I went to Norman and I was preaching about 30 minutes after a tornado. And uh, I'd choose this than other than that. And so, but we're grateful to see everyone here. And I, I hope that you're here because you're expecting a blessing from God. And that by being here, you expect to walk out these doors this evening uh, edified, encouraged, maybe challenged. And uh, hopefully through God's blessing tonight, we can accomplish all of that. This evening, I'd like for you to get your Bibles and turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 4 where we want to study the subject of relationships this evening. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. You know, as Solomon lived here upon the earth because of his, his um, wish, so to speak, that he wished of God, and God giving him the privilege, if you could call it that, of experiencing life to his fullest and learning lessons about life that he could impart to us so that we wouldn't have to experience everything to learn those lessons. And that's what wisdom is. Wisdom is not necessarily learning from your own experiences, but also learning from the experiences of others. And as Solomon lived, he came to several observations as we look through his writings in Proverbs and in Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, he says in verse number 9, that two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So tonight is going to be one of many studies and observations about relationships. You can go to bookstores, you can turn on the television, you can turn on the radio, and it seems that just about everywhere there's people that want to impart to you information about relationships, how to have a good relationship. If there is so much information about a topic, generally it can be assumed that it's out there because there's so much interest in the topic. And there are some who genuinely want to help people in their relationships, and there are those who want to capitalize on that interest. And tonight we want to look at some scriptures and some spiritual truths that will help us in understanding our relationships. And these are relationships of any type. Our relationship with our children, our relationship with our husband or wife, our relationship with our brothers and sisters in the Lord, our relationship with our co-workers, any relationship that we are in. You know, relationships are very complex. I get a kick out of watching on TV these movie stars whose relationships are all tumbled and tossed about and they'll look at you and, well, our relationship is very complex. <laughs> And usually that's just another word for saying our relationship is bad. You know, but we don't want to call it bad. We want to call it complex. And relationships are complex. I mean, just think about it. When you take two people, you have this person over here with all of their life experiences, with all of their training, with all of their upbringing, coming from a certain culture or a certain society, and even having a certain genetic makeup. 
And then over here, you're taking this person that has completely different experiences, completely different culture or society, completely different learning, completely different genetic makeup, and we're going to put those two people together and say, get along and bless each other. But the only problem with it is, is that this person has fallen. And this person has fallen. And yet, we just get into these relationships, and whenever they don't work out, we wonder, what's wrong? It seems so easy. Just find you somebody that looks good and you like and get with them and live happily ever after. It doesn't work that way. Relationships are complex. But as with anything that's complex, there's a simple structure that underlies it. And tonight, we're not going to get deep and we're not going to get profound. We don't want to talk about the complexities. What we want to understand is the simple parts. You know, a lot of times when we try to understand things, we don't understand the complex because we haven't mastered the simple. And we want to try to master the simple teachings concerning relationships that will help us to have better relationships. Let's just make some observations before we begin. Our happiness and success in life is determined directly by our ability to establish and maintain healthy relationships. You look at all of the unhappy people in the world, and they're going to have unhappy relationships. And you look at the happy, satisfied, successful, and fulfilled people in the world, and they're going to have relationships that bless them and contribute to their happiness and success. God did not build us to live on an island by ourselves, but rather He built us, as we'll look at, and created us to live in a network of relationships. And I believe that a lot of the blessings that God promises to us come to us through the relationships that we form with each other. And if those relationships are not sound, I believe they're impeding the blessings that God wants us to have. And so it's important that we understand that our happiness and our success in life is directly dependent upon our ability to establish and maintain healthy relationships. How many of us here tonight were sat down and told, this is how you have a healthy relationship? You need to do this, 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 and this. You know. Along the way, we may have been given tidbits of information. You need to marry a Christian. You need to look for someone like this. You need to look for someone like this. And all of that is true, and all of that is good. But a lot of times... What we're told is not how to have a relationship, but who to pick for the relationship. You can pick the right person and still have a bad relationship. And so it's important for us to have some general understanding about relationships. The word relationship is not mentioned in the Bible, in the King James Version. Yet the theme of the Bible is about a relationship. Our relationship with God. We read in the book of Genesis how the relationship was established. We read how the relationship was broken. And from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, it's about how that relationship is restored and maintained. The mystery of the gospel is about a relationship. Bringing the Jews and Gentiles together in one body under the headship of Jesus Christ. The mystery of the gospel is a relationship. Bringing together a whole bunch of different people and putting them together in one body to live in unity out of their honor and their worship of Jesus Christ. Therein is the wisdom of Christ manifested. 
Not just bringing a bunch of people together in one body, but bringing a bunch of people together in one body and blessing them with such a spirit that even though they may be as opposite as Jew and Gentile, they can live together and honor God in one body. The mystery of the gospel. The word relationship, we can look it up in a dictionary and it means a connection between things. To have some connection. Everyone here in this congregation has a connection with one another. There's something that connects you. A common faith connects you. A common conviction, a common conscience connects you. Whenever we look at the word relationship a little further, I want us to notice that the word relationship comes from the Latin word relatum, which means to bring back. That's interesting. The definition of relationship means connection, but it comes from a root word which means to bring something back. And I think that that's the purpose of a relationship. We enter into relationships with people in order to bring back to ourselves what we need and what we desire in life. Think about it for a moment. Let's, make, let's use a very simplistic example. If you need some insurance, you're going to establish a relationship with an insurance agent. Now again, this is a very simplistic example, but you have a need. Now if you need insurance and you have a need, you're not going to go down to the grocery store and look for insurance, are you? It's not there. But you're going to look for someone who can supply that need. And so you go to this insurance agent and you make known your need. The insurance agent says this is what you need to take care of that need. And so you give them a premium and then you bring back to yourself that insurance. And that's what a relationship is. It's a constant flow as we'll see here in just a minute. I want us to look at a relationship as a cycle. A cycle where we are constantly sending out and we are constantly bringing back to ourselves. And notice that in this cycle, as two people enter into a relationship, they're each receiving in the relationship and they're each giving in the relationship. And what happens in a bad relationship is in this flow that we'll be talking about here, there are things that enter in that affect each other in a negative way. And what do you know about a cycle? When you get something going, what happens? It picks up speed. It picks up speed. And that's why in so many relationships, they might start out over just some little insignificant thing. But that spawns something else. And that spawns something else till the cycle gets out of control. And so a relationship then is cyclical. It's not something that's static, but it's dynamic. It's something that is always going on. And then by understanding this, then we can look at our relationships with each other and try to understand this flow back and forth to give us some wisdom in how to deal with relationships. We're going to look at three things tonight that I think that we all need to understand about relationships that will help us to have better relationships, improve our relationships, or establish new ones. And the first thing is they're based upon needs. They're based upon needs. We all enter into relationships because there's a need to be fulfilled. Let me ask you something. If you took a, your car to a mechanic and you knew if you took your car to the mechanic there was a 50% chance 
that he's going to fix it and send it back to you and it's going to run right. You go ask somebody, you know, who's a good mechanic in town? Well, if you go down to Joe's, he, you know, one out of two times he gets it right. <laughs> How many of us would take our vehicle down to Joe's to get it fixed? We wouldn't do it, would we? But you know, when you look at the, the, the common day marital statistics, one out of two marriages end in divorce. Yet people keep getting married. Why is that? Why is that? Because a need is so great. A need is so great that we continue to enter into that relationship because it's necessary. Relationships are based upon needs. Needs are something that we require or something that we desire that only someone else can satisfy. Whenever we look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 10 to 11, whenever Solomon was talking about relationships, saying that two are better than one, notice how he explains it. For if they fall... Well, if somebody falls, what happens? They have a need to be lifted up. Well, in a relationship, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth. He doesn't have anyone to help him up. There's a need there that's satisfied. Verse 11, If two lie together, then they have heat, but how can one be warm alone? What's Solomon noting here? The need is for warmth. How's that taken care of? Through a relationship. Verse number 12, if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So what's the need here? If somebody is being assailed against, they need support. And so through the relationship, then they gain that support. But whenever Solomon is talking about, what have I done? Excuse me just a second. Y'all close your eyes. <laughs> <clears throat> whenever we look at this as he's explaining how two's better than one he's not saying two's better than one just because two's better than one he's saying there's some function to this arrangement and the function is when one person has a need someone else is there to help and so relationships are based upon needs in Genesis chapter 2 verse number 18 Whenever God created woman for man, He created woman for man because He saw a need. What did He say? It's not good that man should be alone. I will make for him a helpmeet. I will make a helpmeet for him. And so here God saw a need and He provided a relationship that's going to be suitable to meet that need. And that's all relationships are. People having needs and people seeking out others to help them to fulfill that need. You know, there is some logic behind relationships. A lot of times we want to think that relationships are just all about feelings. You know, falling in love and like, like a relationship is an accident. Relationships aren't accidental. Relationships need to be guided by wisdom and understanding about what they are. We might have an attraction to a person, but because that attraction is there, that doesn't mean that we have to give in to that attraction. An attraction in a relationship is just like a temptation to something that's bad. 
You've got that feeling and you've got that draw, but sometimes it's necessary to say no. And we may see somebody that we're attracted to, but we know beyond that attraction, this person can't fulfill my needs. And we'll talk about this a little bit more, but we have to say no. But a lot of times we're raised in this feel-good culture and our kids are raised in this feel-good culture that if you feel it in your gut, you need to act on it. And that's not true. We need to understand that our relationships are based upon needs. Let's look at our relationship with God through Christ. Why did you become a Christian? Why did you have a relationship with God? Because you had a need for salvation. Once you were convinced and I was convinced that I was a sinner, that you were a sinner, what did we do? We sought out a relationship with someone who could meet that need. And that person was God through Jesus Christ. So we need to understand that our needs determine our relationships. Do you want to know who you really are? Look at the relationships in your life. And those relationships tell you who you really are. They tell me who I really am. Because the people that I relate to the most, the people whose relationships I value the most, are the people that meet the needs that are the greatest in my life. You know, when I see Christians who would rather be out with their friends in the world rather than with other Christians, I've got to assume that there's worldly and carnal needs that are greater in that person's life than there are spiritual needs. I've got to assume that about myself. If we really want to know who we are, look at the relationships that we're involved in, who we're involved in, why we're involved in them, what needs are being met by them. Carnal needs produce carnal relationships and spiritual needs produce spiritual relationships. Our relationships are good barometers of the priorities of our needs. Consider that for just a moment. If you want to know who you are, if you want to know who the other person is, what's really important in that person's life, look at who they run with. Look at who they run with. Oh, they may tell you one thing, but who they relate to, who they desire to be with, is who they really are. And so God made a helpmeet. A helpmeet is someone who can aid and assist in someone that is suitable. And that's why in our relationships, it's so necessary to find those suitable people. Those suitable people. So whenever we look at this relationship cycle, we need to understand that the relationships that we get involved in are based upon our needs. So if I am right here, then I want to make sure that I've got someone over there that being involved with this cycle is going to be able to supply the great needs in my life. That I'm going to be able to bring back from them what I need. Now that makes relationships sound pretty selfish, doesn't it? But we'll talk about that in just a minute. But relationships are based upon our needs. And whenever we're involved with a relationship, that's the ultimate question. Is this person that I'm going to be involved in a relationship with going to be able to provide for my needs? <clears throat> relationships are based on good giving. You know, in God's way of doing things, there are so many things that are opposites. 
If I want to live, what do I need to do? I need to die. If I want to be exalted, what do I need to do? I need to be humble. If I want to be great, what do I need to do? I need to be the least. That's the way things work in God's kingdom. It doesn't work according to the standards of the world. And whenever we look at relationships, if I want to bring back to me what I need, I've got to first concentrate on giving to what the other person needs based upon good giving. In 1 John chapter 4, verse number 19, John just simply says, We love Him because He first loved us. God desires a relationship with us. And so what was it that God did in order to make that relationship possible or to initiate that relationship? He gave. He gave. Now I always get asked this question. Well, if relationships are based upon needs, what need does God have to have a relationship with us? Well, the Bible tells us that God is love. And so if God is love, He needs someone to love. And let's understand that need does not necessarily mean weakness. I know a lot of times, you know, especially men, we're big macho. You know, if you've got a need, you're weak. That's not true. We have needs just because of who we are. God has that need, not making Him weak, but because of His nature and His character. And so He created man in order to have someone to love. And in order to bring us into a relationship with Him, He first loved us. Matthew 20, 28, the Bible says, or Jesus said, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. You see, in this whole relationship that we have with God through Jesus Christ, it started out by God giving. It started out by Christ giving. And they were giving in order to bring back to themselves worship, honor, and praise. And that's the way a relationship works. If you want to receive it, you first give. <clears throat> In Acts 20, verse number 35... I have showed you all things, how that by so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how He said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Why is it more blessed to give than to receive? Because whenever we have a group of people, whether it be a hundred people or two people, who are focused on giving, then everyone will receive. Because if you give, there's got to be somebody to receive. But if we have a group of people, be it a hundred or two, who are just simply sitting around focusing on what they're going to get, what are they going to get? Nothing. Because there won't be any givers. That's why it's more blessed to give than to receive. Because whenever we're focused on good giving, everybody wins. But if we just focus on what we can get, we're all sitting around with our hands out waiting for somebody to give to us. But if we all walk around with empty hands, there's nothing to give. And that's what happens so many times in relationships is that the parties involved in the relationships are not concerned with their giving, but they're receiving, and they have nothing to give each other. 
Proverbs 18, 24, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. If I'm going to have friends, what's the first thing I need to do? Well, be a friend. Be a friend. And so in order to bring back to me the friendship that I desire, in order to bring back whatever it is that I desire, I've first got to give to that need of the other people, of the other person. Ephesians 5.28, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Now how does that work? Well, it's simple. When husbands love their wives, then their wives in turn will reciprocate that love back to them. Whenever we love others, they will love us back. We're in essence, I believe, loving ourselves. Luke 6.31, As ye would that men should do to you, sit around and wait for them to do it? No. Do ye also to them likewise. As you would have others do to you, you do to them likewise. You be a good giver in the relationship. Selfishness is a relationship killer. We enter into relationships interested in what we're going to bring back to us. But the success and the efficiency of that relationship is what we give whenever we enter into it. Good giving requires knowing the other person's needs. This is so important in relationships. We have to understand one another's needs. I think that's why in the body of Christ that the Lord has told us to confess our faults one to another and pray one for another. If you want me to help you with your needs, I need to know what your needs are. If I want you to help me with my needs, you need to know what my needs are. And by making our needs known to each other, then we can give to those needs. And then what we have is a community of believers where relationships are being effective and efficient in meeting those needs. It's just like husbands that they're to dwell together with their wives, with all knowledge, understanding the spouse's need and meeting those needs. And everybody else's needs are not the same as my needs. That's something that kills relationships is that we think everybody else's needs are my needs and that's not true. A woman's needs are completely different from a guy's needs. And guys, we've got to understand that. It took me a while to figure that out. Things got a whole lot better when I did. And we need to understand the needs of our wives and give to those needs. Ask what those needs are. Wives, communicate those needs. Don't tell the guy, well, if you loved me, you'd know. <laughs> Love doesn't make a guy a mind reader. We have to communicate. We have to be open. We have to let each other know. Because a lot of times a person might have a good and honest heart and desire to fulfill needs, but just doesn't know what they are. And so it's important that we make known our needs. We must give in proportion to the need we desire to be satisfied. That's important. A lot of times we want people to satisfy big needs and we just want to give a little. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. The needs that we desire to have fulfilled in our life, we have to give in proportion to those. Don't try to cheat people in relationships because when people feel like they're cheated in a relationship, that relationship is going to go south. 
If I want a lot from another person, then I need to be giving a lot to that person. You know, whenever the Lord wanted our life, He didn't just throw a few pieces of silver and gold on a table, did He? No, He wanted our life. He gave His life. He gave His life. And so a lot of times in relationships, if the relationship is not working right, then we need to ask ourselves, or, or first of all, look at our role in the relationship. What is it that I'm doing in this cycle? What is it that I'm sending out, maybe that's not causing me to get back what I need and what I desire? So in this cycle, <clears throat> step over here for a second, a lot of times we tend to reciprocate what we get. And so whatever is sent out this way, we can understand that we're probably going to get something in the same nature coming right back at us. And that's the beauty of forgiveness. You see, forgiveness breaks a relationship cycle that's not working. Where something bad is going this way, and then that spiritual person says, even though I'm receiving something bad this way, I'm going to give you something back good in hopes of affecting your heart and heaping coals of fire on your head to cause you to send me something good. And then if something bad comes, we forgive and we send something good. Pray for them that use you. Do good to them that despitefully use you. Why is it that the Lord is always saying, do good to bad people? Because that's the only way this works. If we do bad to bad people, that cycle gets going and we have a cycle of evil and malignity where no one wins. And a lot of times in a relationship, it takes somebody being big enough and spiritual enough to just simply step up and say, I forgive. If we play tit for tat in a relationship, you did this to me, I'm going to do this to you, it'll never work. But in a relationship where we are focused on good giving, that's a relationship that can be blessed by God. And the last point that we want to look at is that our relationships must be ordered by God. <clears throat> Some of you came a long way tonight, so I want to give you something very profound. Imperfect plus imperfect does not equal perfect. Imperfect plus imperfect does not equal perfect. There are no perfect relationships because there are no perfect people. What we need to focus on is not a perfect relationship that doesn't have any problems, like we talked about the other day, but relationships that are effective, relationships that are functional, relationships that serve profound purposes. Don't expect perfection from a relationship. It doesn't happen. Because imperfect plus imperfect does not equal perfect. In Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And we read that verse and we wonder, well, what's that got to do with a relationship? It's got a lot to do with relationships. In those first two verses, that characterizes what God's work is all about. The earth was without form and void. It was imperfect. It was full of chaos with no function at all. But God spoke. But God spoke. And there began to be order and function. That typifies God's work in anything. That's God's work in my life. Before I was a Christian, before you were a Christian, we were without form and void. We were in sin. 
but God spoke. Our obedience to the gospel, we received forgiveness. And He began to do a work in our life where He took something that was just ugly and made it something beautiful. That's the way God works. And so in our relationships, it's the same way. When you take two imperfect people together on their own, that relationship's not going to work. God brings order out of chaos. That's why our relationships with each other in the church must be ordered by God. Our relationships as husband and wife must be ordered by God. Not Dr. Phil, not Dr. Joyce Brothers, or any other doctor that's on radio or TV, but by God. Because it's only through His wisdom that He can bring about function that He can bring about order out of two imperfect people being together. Psalm 127.1, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh in vain. That's just a general principle, that unless the Lord is over it, unless the Lord is ordering it. Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine in Matthew 7, and doeth them, I'll like them to a wise man which built his house upon a rock. When the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat upon that house, it fell not, for it was found, founded upon a rock. Now whenever we look at those two verses, notice that Jesus said that and the rain descended. He doesn't say if the rain descends. In every relationship, there is going to be trial. In every relationship, there is going to be challenge because every relationship is made up of imperfect people. But when those imperfect people consult the wisdom and the power of God, God can take those relationships and make them relationships that are blessings instead of burdens. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand the rains descended and the floods came and winds blew and beat upon it and it fell and great was the fall of it. There are so many relationships tonight that are on the rocks because they're not built on the rock. Our relationships must be our deep, profound relationships in life must be oriented, must be based upon, must be centered around the wisdom of God. They have to be, or we're going to be miserable people. We're going to be miserable people. And again, there are so many people today who live in misery because of broken relationships that it's necessary for us to give more attention to them. <clears throat> Earthly wisdom is inadequate in ordering the deep, meaningful relationships of our lives. You know, it, it just won't work. We have to consult the Creator. God created us. He knows how we work. He knows what will work. So whenever the Lord says forgive, forgive. There's no other way it's going to work. God won't let it work any other way. If God says to be long-suffering, be long-suffering. If God says to be forbearing, be forbearing. Those aren't just suggestions. That's the way He created it and ordered it to work. And again, relationships end up on the rocks because they're not founded on it. And before you can have a meaningful, profound relationship with another human, you must have a meaningful, profound relationship with 
the divine. You know, kids, teenagers, when I was growing up, I was always, you know, you need to marry in the church, you need to marry in the church, you need to marry a Christian, you need to marry a Christian. And back then, you know, that sounded good, but, you know. But then whenever you stop to think about it, what should be, should be the most profound need in my life? That would be a need for an encourager and someone to support me in my walk, in my relationship with God. That should be the supreme need. Now how can I go out and find someone who's going to be an encourager and a supporter of my faith when they don't even espouse that faith? It doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't make sense. And that's the way that we found we, ba we build our relationships. So we first of all need to know ourselves and our needs. You know, a lot of times before young couples getting ready to get married, one piece of advice is, well, you need to learn all you can about that person. I want to say something different. You need to learn all you can about yourself. You need to know yourself. A lot of times we'll get in a relationship where we thought it was what we wanted. Turned out it wasn't what we wanted because we weren't who we thought we were. A lot of times we'll look at that person and say, well, you weren't who I thought you were. And a lot of times it may be we weren't who we thought we were. We have to know ourselves. What is my need that I have that causes me to want to have a relationship with that person? Evaluate the need Justify the need instead of evaluating and trying to justify the person. Know yourself. Know where your needs are leading you to. Know where your needs are taking you in these relationships. Are the needs that I'm basing my relationships upon immediate and superficial needs? Or are they the profound, deeper needs of life? You know, whenever we're young, we want to marry somebody that's good-looking and fun. But the only bad thing about that is that we're going to grow old and get a little uglier and become fuddy-duds. So if I marry based upon one set of needs and then eventually those needs pass, I'm left with an empty relationship in my latter years. But if we base our relationship on those needs that are going to be profound, lingering, and lasting, when you pick a mate, don't pick a mate for you at age 20, but consider that person whenever you're age 50 or 60 or 70. What's going to be important to me when I'm 50, 60, and 70 years old? Now I know getting a teenager to understand this is just virtually impossible, but Understand the deep, profound needs and base your relationships upon those. Know the needs of those you relate to. If we want to be good givers in relationships, we've got to understand the needs of others. Just ask them, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? And tell them, this is what you can do for me. This is what you can do for me. I always like to use the example of the husband that comes in from work and the wife meets him at the door and says, it's been a terrible day. It's been a terrible day. The dishwasher broke down. The dog run off. 
and I burnt dinner. And the man just stands there and says, well, we can buy a new dishwasher. I didn't like that dog anyway, and let's eat out. And he thinks he's got the problem solved. Whereas the wife may have wanted just a pat on the back and saying, I really appreciate that. And I'm so hard, I'm, I, I hate it that you had such a bad day. What can I do to make your day easier? You know, a lot of times, guys, we're fix-it people. And sometimes fixing it doesn't solve the problem. And we need to understand those nuances about ourselves in order to make our relationships effective with each other. And your needs are not everybody else's needs. Be skillful in giving and order your relationship according to God's wisdom. To tell whether a person is suitable for a relationship, look at the other relationships they're involved in. Look at their relationship with their parents. If they call their parents an old man and an old woman, I doubt they're going to be very respectful to you whenever the new wears off. Look at their relationships with their siblings. How siblings treat each other is a very good indicator as to what type of people they are. Because if you can love a brother or sister, you can love anyone. But if they're constantly arguing with their brother and their sister and they're constantly fighting and they can't get along, then probably when the new wears off, that's the way it's going to be with you. Look at the friends that they hang around. If they hang around friends that, that represent values that you don't agree with, then that should be a red flag. That this person may not be the person that's going to support my values and my faith. And don't let them try to tell you otherwise. No earthly relationship can supply all your needs. Only God can. Don't look for any relationship in here among any person to supply your needs. Only God can do that. So I hope as we look at this study tonight that it will give us some, some things to think about whenever it comes to our relationships with each other. <clears throat> because relationships, there are people tonight who are sitting at a bar with a drink in their hand because of a bad relationship. There's a little kid in a bedroom somewhere in this city tonight crying its eyes out because of a bad relationship. There's a woman walking around town somewhere carrying her kids behind her looking for a place to stay tonight because of a bad relationship. There may be people in this building tonight who are sitting there and inwardly they're hurting and their heart is broken because of a bad relationship. We need to look at the relationships of our lives and not take them for granted, but realize that that's the way God intends for, for us to be blessed in many ways is through our relationships. And use sound wisdom and godly wisdom in forming the relationships that we need to support us in our faith and in our walk with God. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, you have a need, and it's a need that only God can supply, and that's the need for salvation. He's already given. He's already given. He gave His Son upon the cross. The debt has been paid. He's already given you a gift. And what He's asking of you is a repentant heart and a believing heart. A heart that will come and confess Jesus as the Son of God and a heart that will submit to baptism. Have your sins washed away. Have that need met right now before you leave this place. If you're here tonight and you are a Christian and maybe have relationships in your life that aren't like they ought to be, and you wish to begin tonight to do your part in ordering that relationship after God's wisdom, 
for any sin that you might have committed because of a bad relationship. If the church can help one or more, we'd ask you to come as we stand and sing.